welcome back to the Matt Report Season 8 with our first guest of the season, Ryan Sullivan. He's going to talk all about running a business, running WP Site Care and uh, selling it to Southern Web. Southern Web acquired uh, WP Site Care a little while ago, a few months ago at this point. And Ryan and I sat down to talk about that experience, what it was like to run the business as, you know, the, the, the solo entrepreneur founder, the person who started the business, some of the ups and downs of that, and why he made this decision uh, to go the route of getting uh, acquired by Southern Web and what the plans are for the future. As you know, this is the uh, this is the season all about the change of WordPress. And my God, if you're paying attention to any of the WordPress news that's out there, uh, you can see things are, are changing quite dramatically, at least within the community and with the software itself. Uh, so I'm excited to explore the thoughts and ideas that some of the great people in our community have around this concept of change in the WordPress space. Hope you enjoy it too. If you do, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. really helps us get found. Subscribe to the newsletter where I will send you an email maybe once a year. It's matreport.com slash subscribe. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's get into the show. WP Psych here. Ryan, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back, Matt. Uh, and we're saying having you back because quite literally you were on, we recorded an episode about a week ago and we both sort of got this feeling that after the show, like we had a good conversation as we always do, but we after I stopped recording, we talked about a lot of the uh, entrepreneurial fears, uh, the challenges, what you and I have both gone through in terms of career changes. Uh, in the last year or so, uh, both myself uh, going over to Pagely and now, of course, with your sale of the company, the Southern Web. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Don't forget to subscribe, mattreport.com slash subscribe. Uh, it's the best way to stay connected. Ryan, for folks who don't know, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, so uh, my name, as, as Matt said, my name is Ryan Sullivan. I've been uh, working professionally in the WordPress space for about six years now. Uh, I, you know, I started out um, very much in a technical role. And, uh, well, I, I mean, I started out by starting my own business in a very technical role and then, um, you know, business kind of grew and evolved. And, uh, as I started using WordPress before that, a couple, you know, a couple years before that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, over the last six years, I've been involved in a lot of different community things. Um, I, I would describe what I do now as, um, kind of more of a, uh, sales growth capacity, um, and kind of where my new, my new focus will be. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely changed and evolved as, as life has, uh, has come my way. The premise of the Bar Report season eight is all about change. Um, I feel like that there, there, there is a bit of a change as it goes in the technology world. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not running Windows 95 anymore. I mean, we all have to sort of change and adapt as technology changes. Computers used to be massive. Now they're super tiny in our watches, quite literally. Um, and the same thing with business. Uh, markets change. Uh, customers' wants and needs change. Uh, a product that you sold maybe 10 years ago is totally different than it is uh, today. Um, let's talk about the sale of WP Psychare, and you've written an article, which again, I'll link up in the show notes, titled Changes, sort of about why you've made the change or why you've sold the company, what, what brought you to this change. But first, I want to just tap into the WordPress market. Do you see things changing for service-based companies, product-based companies, or the flavor of the month, the productized service company? 
Right. Uh, yeah. So definitely, I mean, there's definitely a shift, right? Like what I, what I've been noticing more and more, uh, and it's a trend we've seen over the last, I don't know, couple of years is, uh, people wanting a vendor who is their kind of go-to vendor, like the, the people, the company that can provide, um, you know, kind of a wide range of services. They don't want to have to have four different tickets open in four different locations. Um, and they don't, and, and even beyond that, uh, there's just kind of a communication and a, and a trust aspect that, um, that buyers as the industry kind of evolves, start to demand a little bit more. So people don't really want to have to differentiate between, you know, the, the front end of my website is managed by this one person who I have to email. And uh, just the complexity of that is something we, we had people tell us all the time uh, when we were running site care as, you know, as its own service, you know, we really wish you guys did web development. Or we really wish you guys did design or we really wish you did XXX. Right. Um, and so I've seen that, I've seen that shifting and I've seen that. Um, and I think that's, I don't know if that's because of a maturation of the people who are, you know, the end user and um, the growth of the platform itself. I'm not really sure what kind, but I think it's just kind of a convenience thing too. Like in general, we're very like, uh, you know, if I had to, if I had to talk with a bunch of different companies about, you know, who I, you know, my checking, a different company for my checking account and my savings account, that would get pretty, pretty old, pretty quick. Uh, so I think, I think there's just like this element of, um, people wanting things to be more simple, uh, and, and, you know, other, other platforms are pitching simplicity. And so, and so I think there's certainly, uh, there's certainly that that's a trend I've seen for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, we talked about this previously, there's a lot of uh, copycat businesses in, in the WordPress space and not a bad thing. I mean, you could look at any other theme company as a copycat and there's just like some small minor artistic details that change from theme to theme or whatever, but there are quite literally copycats of uh, WP Psychcare where they literally copied and pasted the text and then the font styles and the colors and just switched the logo around barely uh, and called it that. I mean, is that, was that an indication or is that an indication of, boy, number one, it's, it's easy to spin up and say you're a, a WordPress service. And number two, does it mean that there's just way too many hands in the pot in this WordPress, at least WordPress support business that you found sort of difficult over the last couple of years? Yeah. So I interpret that uh, a couple of different way, ways. One, uh, we're flattered. Thank you. Uh, thank you for <laughs> recognizing our fantastic work. Uh, and, and so there's definitely that element of it, but the, you know, the flip side of that is, um, or not necessarily the flip side, but another thing that, um, another way I interpret that is, uh, yeah, I mean, one part of it is that people are, are lazy, um, part of, you know, but another thing that another part of it is, I think a lot of people kind of want to, um, you know, want to dip their toe in the pool without making a big commitment. Um, or they just kind of want to get a feel for what's really out there. And the easiest way to do that is to take something that exists already and put it online and, and see like, do people put in their credit card? Like that, like that's, that's kind of, but they're not thinking about, you know, uh, they're more focused on the opportunity to generate revenue than they are to actually being able to provide the service that they're selling. Uh, and so, you know, the more, I think that happens with the, I think that happens with any industry. Like, 
something that's working okay for somebody else, people are just, <clears throat> yeah, people are going to copy it. People are going to, um, people are going to do what they can to, um, you know, just to, like I said, kind of test it out, get a feel for it and see if people will start giving them money. Um, and if they can, you know, maybe then we'll, maybe then we'll figure out the actual providing the service uh, part after the fact. Uh, but it, it's a natural, it seems, it seems like a natural thing in most, um, you know, most industries that have any kind of popularity at all. Mm. Uh, I just, a real sidebar here. I just switched my audio to stereo. Let me know if that changed the way you hear me. Do you hear me in both ears, left ear, right ear? Any change at all when I speak? Um, I think, I think I, I, uh, yeah, you don't sound different, but I think, uh, I think you are in, I think you are in both ears now. Okay, great. Beautiful. Sorry about that folks. Uh, just a little technical snafu in zoom. Uh, let's, so, so let's just break that down a little bit. Does, does that mean that the, that the productized service based business is one where people just say, Hey, uh, you know, I, I just want to focus on, on revenue. Does that productized service, does the vanity of that, I guess is what I'm getting at. Does the vanity of that type of business lend towards more of like quick buck or, you know, your versus thinking, oh my God, like there's actually a lot of, of, of overhead in this business. Actually pr- providing the value that you said you're going to provide, uh, hiring people to scale, advertising and promotion. Like why is it that people just jump into revenue first and, and not this overhead of thinking about long-term success? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of different things that play into that. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what's being sold to people like this, this ability to, you know, make it like to, to quote unquote, make it, um, you know, be an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen you talk about this all the time. You're, you know, it, it takes, it takes five minutes for somebody to spin up a, a lead pages landing page and talk about how, um, you know, how they got successful when they're really, you know, getting photos taken with a Ferrari that they borrowed from a friend. Like those are all things that, that happen. And I think people get caught up in that and they, they see, okay, it looks like so-and-so is doing well. They're like, they're, they're successful and there doesn't seem to be a lot to this business. So I'm going to try it. Yeah. Um, and you like, like, I, I mean, I respect, I respect the hustler. Like I respect the people who are just like, I'm going to start and see if this works or not. I mean, Absolutely. I think there's, I think there's a lot, um, I think there's a lot of value to that, but at the same time, um, and, and I also think, um, not only is there a lot of value to it, but I think initially you kind of, like, you kind of need to be a little bit naive. I, I know that I was, um, if I, if I knew everything, you know, six years ago that I know now about what's involved in operating a business at any kind of scale, I don't know that I would have gotten in the exactly. first place. Right. Yep. And, and, and it's been a good thing. Like it's been a good thing for, it's been a good thing. And so, um, I think there has to be some, like a little bit of, yeah, you have to be a little bit naive. Um, but I think that's kind of the main thing is people just don't really understand what it is they're signing up for when they, uh, you know, when they copy the HTML and CSS and put it up on a hosting account, they're not really ready for what they're getting into. It's human nature. I think that we all want some building blocks to get started, right? I mean, where we perceive it as like, okay, I, I, I know there's going to be some hard work there, 
involved at some point. But but just give me some quick one, two, three steps to get to, you know, from zero to 40 miles an hour instead of zero to 60. I think a lot of us feel like we can, like we can do that because some other industries you can, I guess, maybe. Um, so when it comes to this industry, it's like, well, if I just copy that person's website, you know, make the same pricing and, and tweet to the same customers, I'll get, you know, 25% of their business or whatever. And, and a lot of that has to do with being naive, not understanding what's involved in running a business. So sometimes it, it springboards you kind of quick, although probably not the most tasteful way to do things. <laughs> um, but, but certainly I just feel like it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's being sold to us by other, by other folks and, uh, they're being, they're probably being sold by somebody else who's being sold by somebody else. So right. it's this vicious cycle in, in, in human nature, I, I think. Uh, and in not just our industry, but in multiple industries. I mean, from my point of view, uh, let's talk about the, the point at, I'm reading this article again, folks, if you're just listening to this or watching this, I'll, I'll link it up, go check out the article that, that Ryan published. Um, but we get to a point where, you know, you're reading this book, which I think many of us have read called The E-Myth, uh, you know, and it's about working uh, on your business instead of in your business. And, uh, and, and you sort of quote yourself here and you say, I've got to make sure that never happens to me. That can never happen to me. And then you say, well, it happened to me, <laughs> you know, or I fell into this thing. Well, hindsight, hindsight 2020, like when you look back, can you recall points of where you saw the mistakes now that you're looking back at it, like can you point out one or two mistakes that maybe other folks can identify with where they might be going through right now? You said, Hey, Hey, I thought I was going to avert that, but I didn't. Um, anything you can point to that you can recall looking back. Yeah, no, no question. So, uh, I, the hard, the hard thing to identify is this is definitely a progressive thing. I think it's like with, with anything important and, you know, with anything important in our lives, um, you have to have regular check-ins on yourself. So, um, you know, identifying the things that, um, so, so look, to answer your question, looking back, like a few of the key points where I, I should have said, you know, I need some help with this, or this is totally out of my, um, you know, this is totally out of my realm. Uh, really before I hired any employees, uh, I should have had, um, I should have had somebody helping me, uh, you know, there, there's like software available, right? Like, you know, you can get something like Augusto or Zen payroll or a, like they'll do a lot of the logistical stuff for you. But there were a lot of things that I wish I would have had in place um, that software couldn't really solve. It needed, it needed, it needed an operations professional. Um, and I should have, sought that out early. So that's one, like, that's one thing I would point to that is, um, very important to have early on whether or not they're an employee of your company. Like you can consult with other outside people on this stuff, make sure that all your ducks in a row before you start bringing employees on. Um, that's, that's one thing that I was always playing catch up on along the way. Uh, Another, another thing is, uh, finance. So like, I understand how money works like that, that, that's not, uh, you know, that was never, um, a real challenge for me, but at the same time, uh, understanding how money works is very different than understanding how it works in the context of a business, um, and how you like make decisions, uh, around money too. Like knowing whether or not, 
you know how to pay your mortgage is very different than knowing this is a good point for us to hire or we need to spend um, money in a place where we haven't before because of XX, like because of all these different reasons. Um, if you don't have a clear understanding of that, and I surely didn't, like that's that's a point where you're going to want to again get some, even if it's not somebody you bring on full time because it's not really justified early on, usually, um, you know, finding a consultant or you know, an outside CPA or somebody who can help with those types of things. Um, makes a ton of make, makes a huge difference. And those are things like, those are the two key things that were always kind of weighing me down and always um, drawing my attention away, my attention away from the thing I was really best at. Uh, and so those were, those are definitely some things that, you know, if those are places where you're not as strong, find, find help as quickly as you can to get started on those in those areas. Yeah, because, you know, even if you're somebody who's listening to this and you have like a boutique agency or maybe a service like Ryan's, even if you're at two or three people, it's probably manageable. And you're thinking like, okay, uh, you know, I don't understand why I would need to either reach out to a, a professional. I certainly am afraid to hire somebody to pay a lot of money or sign up for like Augusto or, uh, you know, the other ones that are out there. But it's, it's, it's the unexpected scale or growth that all of a sudden you, you find yourself with six employees, 12 employees. And now what you are managing, you know, in your little, you know, notepad is no longer scalable. And then you have people from different, especially if you're in a remote, uh, a remote job opportunity, you have people in different states, different parts of the world, laws are different, taxes, health insurance, all of this stuff. Uh, and getting your ducks in a row uh, out of the gate is super important. Having said that, it's easy for us to sit back and say, make sure you have all your ducks in a row. And what I've found from talking to folks over the years is they say, uh, yeah, it's great to have the ducks in a row, but I don't have enough, you know, there's not enough profit in my business to even sign up for these services, right? Or to even figure out how to pay somebody because I'm really just, you know, carving up the pie pretty tightly. Um, my opinion is a lot of folks start off charging way too little. Uh, and I'm sure in your business, you learned that lesson, especially in the WordPress services business uh, or support services business where, I mean, years ago, people were launching the service for like 20 bucks a month. And I'm sure there's still people out there charging yeah. 20 bucks a month. Uh, <laughs> what lessons did you learn there in the gaps of being a profitable business, charging enough to actually get the work done? Yeah, uh, all of the above. So we, we've changed prices several times over the years. Um, it was, it was typically a future proofing move. Um, it was, it was being able to, um, you know, it was, it was being able to provide a better service going forward more than it was, um, more than it was necessarily trying to, um, you know, increase profit margin or that kind of thing. It's just like everything gets more expensive as you grow. And so if you want to maintain quality, um, as your team grows and as the business grows as in the number of, you know, the number of clients that you're serving grows, um, inevitably there's going to be some shift in what kind of what you charge to be able to support that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we still see, we still see people, um, spinning up, you know, the same type of business that we've been doing for a long time for that really inexpensive, you know, that really inexpensive rate, $19, whatever, what I've, what I've usually found is, um, you know, that's probably an individual 
right? That's probably like one person, maybe two people are involved um, at that level. And, uh, and yeah, you get, you know, you get what you pay for. So uh, you're, you're not going to have, um, as a consumer for that type of thing, you're, they might, they might do a great job early on just, you know, kind of go in understanding that this probably isn't going to pers- like work past a certain point and you're going to have to graduate or move to a different, a different type of provider. Uh, at the same time, you know, any, I, I would just say you can't really afford not to put this stuff into place. Mm-hmm. Like the excuse of, you know, the excuse of, uh, you know, we don't have margin for that right now will bite you in the ass. I mean, it did me, um, uh, early on, we, we were able to recover all that kind of stuff, but, but at the same time, it's like, those are things that are so fundamental to the operation of how your business works that, that not, uh, not, not spending whatever that costs you could like, if you're good at what you do, you can find, you can find a way to increase margin or bring more on more customers. Like, you know how to solve that problem. If you're in this business already, if you're in a business already, that's a, that's something you know how to at least, you know, talk about or, or figure out. But the, the stuff that you're, you know, if you're the, on the flip side, if you're really good at finance, if you're really good at, you know, HR, if those are things that are your strengths, then, you know, you can find those are things you can handle and find people to run the other parts of your business. But, um, but if we're speaking strictly from like a founder who has, you know, a technical expertise or client services or that kind of thing, and that's where your strength is, put your focus there, invest in the other supporting pieces. Um, and you will be very, very happy that you did later on. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember some of my, one of the biggest lessons I learned in I, it's, it wasn't, uh, I, I never rectified it at the, at the time, but when I started the agency, uh, wow, a decade ago, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, back in 2008, um, we had, you know, I, I had come from a, a, another organization that, that I was in, in charge of a web development shop and I was just fresh in that space. It was nothing I had ever, I just knew about like web technology, Drupal, WordPress, open source stuff. And I was just put in charge of this web development arm. And back then, you know, building websites, people were spending without, you know, batting an eye, 20, 30, 40 grand on like the smallest website, you know, compared to what you can launch today. Um, but some of the lessons that I learned there was, well, wow, like oof, uh, you need to have, you need, they had a bunch of engineers and like, well, we need to have engineers. We need to have designers. We need to have project managers. When we spun up the agency, um, my, my father had sold our, our long-standing family business. So we had a little bit of cash that some people don't, aren't afforded to when they start their business. And it was just like, let's hire people. Like w- without knowing how to manage uh, the, the people and what to expect from deliverables from your own employees in this space, um, we were like, well, let's just hire a designer, a developer, and a project manager. And then we were pricing websites at like, you know, a thousand bucks because it sounded expensive to us. Meanwhile, we're paying people respectable fifty to sixty dollars an hour, which is about a decade ago. So it was respectable. I mean, it wasn't low, it wasn't high, it was right in the middle. But we were just burning through our thousand dollar budget in like seconds. Yeah. Right? And these are things that you don't know because you don't know until you realize it. But being able to adjust uh, when you see it as fast as you can see it 
And the general lesson is raise your prices, which scares everybody because they're like, how am I going to sell this? Raise your prices. <laughs> and that's usually what will solve a lot of the problems. I don't know about you, but it, it did for us anyway. Yeah. Well, and, and the flips of, like the, the other part of that is, uh, Nobody's gonna. Nobody's gonna be want to be a part of a conversation where they um, they hear they're gonna start making less money. So, right. uh, like like you know, an employee uh, doesn't ever want to um, have anything to do with that conversation. And uh, and so if 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 the choice is between having that conversation and trying to talk somebody down on their compensation or selling more. For me, the natural thing is, okay, I'm going to sell more. Like, I'm, I'm going to sell more. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to increase prices. I'm going to do, you know, whatever it is on that side to account. Um, because inevitably, the other the other path ends poorly uh, for everybody involved. Yeah. So if there's somebody out in the audience right now, and, and they've been doing this for about a year, or they're just getting started, like knowing what you know now, let's, let's say they just want to be a solid consultant, right? They don't want to productize service, but they don't want an agency. They want to be somewhere where it's like, hey, I can support your WordPress website and I can design and develop for you. I'll be this well-rounded person for you, um, but I'm not looking to grow insanely. Are there any uh, pieces of advice for positioning that you would do uh, because of the changing landscape of, of WordPress, would you tell them to specialize in a particular field? Would you tell them to systemize in a different way? What does it look like to you to say, you know what, this will be your next best six months if you do this? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think specialization now is becoming more and more, uh, more and more the path. Uh, and, you know, yeah, if you're going to run a one or two or three person shop, uh, that that gives you the most opportunity i think one you know if you're if you're specializing then you that's a lot easier thing to market to people i mean that's a lot easier thing to say we are you know we are the best at at you know woocommerce integrations or whatever it may be uh if you can be the people in that space you're going to not only get opportunities from individuals you're going to get opportunities from other agencies because to staff like for an agency to staff somebody who specializes in woocommerce and knows how to write uh, integration apis like they're probably not going to staff that person full-time for most of the time um and but if they have a trusted partner that they can go to they'll pay a premium um for you know, for the one-off projects where, and where they do need that specialized help and that kind of thing. And so, so I think, I think specialization is definitely a key thing. Another thing I would add for, you know, wanting to kind of, I think, I think marketing is a very missed opportunity from most providers. Um, like what, like across the board, like marketing in, um, in a, even a very traditional sense where you're putting out content. Um, Jason Resner is somebody who I see who does a very good job of this. Um, he puts out a ton of content. He puts out, but it's like very targeted and it's very specific to what he does. Um, as far as I understand, Jason works by himself, but, uh, but he, you know, he's, he's constantly, he's, he's spending as much time talking about what he does as he does doing it. And, that's, that's another way. If you're just going to be, you know, if you're going to keep things relatively small, keeping people informed about the stuff you're working on is a fantastic way to open the eyes of 
you know, Joe Schmo off the web, you know, uh, off the street and, you know, grab the attention of other agencies who are doing, um, who are doing other stuff. Gives you lots of, gives you lots of opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard balance, right? And I struggle having been doing this forever and, um, having talked to so many entrepreneurs and mentoring so many entrepreneurs, it's still something I struggle with, uh, portraying is you want to specialize, but you need multiple channels of revenue. And when you're marketing, it's easy to say, well, I can do this, 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 and this, but the most successful marketing comes from what, what does that person solve for me? What does she do awesome that I'm going to go and hire her for? Or what does that organization do amazingly that we know that they're the best shop for it? Um, it's definitely a balancing act. Uh, and it's, it's a fine art that happens within that 20% that really moves the needle. It's, you can, you know, your 80% of your marketing can be like this generic thing, but like this is 20% thing that people go, ah, that's why I'm going to hire them. Um, a difficult, a difficult beast to wrangle. Um, yeah, I, uh, not to cut you off, but I heard somebody, um, I heard somebody once just say, um, whether it's, you know, whether the relationship is contract or employer, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, what they said was, uh, CEOs, bosses, founders, they're going to value the person who makes problems go away. Like, like regardless of what your role is, if you're the person who can reduce friction, if you can make yeah, if you can make problems go away, maybe not quite in the mafia sense, right? But if you can like make, <laughs> or maybe, or, or maybe, you know, depending on where you work, uh, like those are things that are, that's extremely valuable to an employer or, you know, somebody that you have a contract with is, I have a problem for you to solve. And so going back to your point, specifying exactly what the problem you solve is going to be, um, that just gives you, that gives you all sorts of opportunity. Let's take it back to one of the best or uh, one of the better parts of our conversation after we stopped recording the last time. And it's, you know, we're running the business where we're, we're solving problems for people. They're valuing us. And, you know, like you, uh, customers that love us, they love working with us. They don't want things to change. Uh, but we find ourselves stuck with the technical problems of the business, financing, accounting, personnel, that kind of thing. But, but then we're also like, wow, do we, we look at that and we say, do we really want to be dealing with this anymore? Right? Like, you know, we, we look at all of these problems stacking up and we're like, well, man, markets are changing. It's still getting harder to compete. I still have to keep raising. Do I still want to do this anymore? And I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the first answer to this uh, or just statement is, yeah, when, when running the agency stuff, it was like, man, all of the same problems that, that you talked about. Uh, in a video that I did about a year and a half, two years ago is really when I saw the crunch of, of agencies, right? Uh, boutique agencies, bigger agencies, just not finding the WordPress customers anymore. I was like, do I, I got two young kids. Do I want to continue to do this? And the caveat to that is, is my agency is still running. WP site care is still running and still, uh, you're still leading the charge with that. Like, that's what entrepreneurs do. They, they build a business, they build a brand that will sustain without them. I feel lucky enough to have done that. You feel lucky enough to have done that with your brand and your business. Um, but I don't want to speak for you. I mean, I know for me, making the change to a Pagely was, I got to, you know, there are more important things that I need to focus on in life than continuing to figure out this formula in this capacity. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You see, you see so many different, you see so many different examples of, um, you know, people who made, uh, who made ex- incredibly successful businesses who never knew anything about operations. Uh, like, uh, you know, there are, there are endless examples, but you know, you, you know, a very obvious one is like Steve Jobs. I, I, I promise that he was very rarely in looking at spreadsheets, right? Like that, that's not what he was spending his time doing. He had a, he had a high level vision for the company. He was obsessed with product and that's the kind of thing that he wanted to spend his time on and was good at. And so I think an important message to kind of communicate in general is, you know, you don't have to be good at everything. Like that's not the, and it, but it took me a long time to come to that realization. It took me a long time to decide like, cause I, you know, my interpretation of owning a business is you have to do all of the business. And that's not true at, at all. Like uh, identifying the things that you're good at and that you suck at really, really early is, is key. That's huge for you because if you can be, you know, I wasn't honest with myself. And I think I mentioned in the blog post, it's like all the way through, I said, you know, I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. I'm a smart guy. I can figure, well, the whole time that I am, you know, catching up to this learning curve and trying to, um, trying to train myself on things that people have decades of, uh, experience in, I'm getting behind on the thing that I'm really good at and I'm feeling overwhelmed there. So I think it's just important to like be like do a self-evaluation early on in your business and say, not only are these the things I enjoy, but these are the things that I'm actually good at and that will benefit this thing that I'm trying to grow the most. Uh, Once you can kind of have that honest conversation with yourself and figure that out, things start to, you know, that, that identifies really quickly, okay, this is where I need to find help. And this is where I need to look for help and, and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, so back to your point, like, you know, this transition to Southern web, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty chaotic for a while to be, to be totally honest, but, um, it is with the end goal in mind of, uh, you know, being able to work 40 hours a week, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit more on busy weeks. but um, spend the rest of the time. Yeah. Focused. I mean, I, I've got, I've got three boys of my own who, um, who can, who can be a handful and, uh, you know, being able to spend more time with them and, and do more of those things is, is, you know, got to the point where it's really important to me. So, um, so there's that part of it too, is like just really prioritizing um, your time and, and your energy and, and, and everything about your life, all, that all plays into, that all plays into being able to figure out um, kind of what you want out of your business. And, and, you know, and we put ourselves at odds with all of these, uh, these, you know, I don't, I, I can't think of a better word than like toxic, toxic vibes. <laughs> you know, we, as entrepreneurs, we, we want to win, right? So we're like competitive. We want to create because that's what is maybe how we're wired. So we want to create new products and new services. We want to help people, right? So it's great to say, okay, we're competitive. We're trying to reach a whole bunch of people. And by the way, I got this awesome thing that I built and I want it to solve your particular problem. And we want to put that stuff on rinse, repeat. And then there's all the, these outside factors that come in, which is all the, you know, all the, all the uh, operational stuff that you talked about. 
the icing on the cake is we're on Twitter 24-7 and we're seeing people like Gary V saying, you're going to work 78 hours a day. There's not 78 hours in a day, make 78 hours in a day, right? And, and then we're watching, you know, all these other influences of all these people. Meanwhile, we're trying to save face uh, with our friends and our colleagues and we're, oh, no, we're good, we're good. Everything's successful, everything's on the up and up. And then we turn around, shut our computers off. We're like, today sucked. <laughs> you know, I didn't <laughs> right. make a sale. I lost three customers. My employee walked out and, you know, the server's crashing. Uh, but on Twitter, everything is, is great, you know, and I, there's not a solution to that. But for those of you who are listening, who have been doing it for years, number one, you're not alone, obviously, because we're all talking about it nowadays, or at least I feel like we are. Number two, if you're just getting started, you, this, like, this is the game, you know, and I, I don't know any other way to position it, but it's the game. Uh, if you're starting an agency, one of the best things about starting an agency is you can charge whatever the hell you want. You can charge $100,000 a website if that's what you want. Sell it to 10 clients a year, make a million bucks a year, you're done, right? But the challenge is, selling 10 websites for $100,000 a year. Um, you know, and you can work backwards to do the math. Uh, no one is here to tell you how to build this services business, but at the same time, that is the challenge, right? That's the challenge. And that's the up and downs of, be of being an entrepreneur. Sometimes you have to take a step back and just say, hey, I'm done. I'm done with this particular thing. And the way I look at it is, this is just one chapter, baby. Like I'll be working on some other stuff, right? <laughs> I get, I have the freedom to, to, to move on, uh, to, to something else. Uh, and like I tell the people that I mentor, most of these investors, and I know most of the people who listen to this, who are listening to other investor shows hear this all the time, but it's not, they're not investing in the idea that you're presenting in front of them. Uh, it's, you know, unless you have the, you know, the secret recipe to eternal life or 72 hours in a day, <laughs> but right. they're investing in you as the entrepreneur, as the business person. I could care less about what your product is because Nine times out of 10, the product you think you're going to launch today just doesn't even exist by the time you get it to market. It's totally different. Um, and they just want to know how will you execute when the, when the problems come up. And that's important to me anyway and to others. No question. Yeah, I, that was just a rant. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, but, but it's spot on too. Like uh, there's, there is this, um, yeah, there, there's this, uh, I don't know. It, it seems like, um, yeah, I, I do think, I do think, you know, social media plays a huge role in, um, in this because, uh, I think for the most part people, you know, there's obviously like the, the people who are just showing, uh, showing off to show off. That's, that's obnoxious, but I think most of us can filter that out. And, but I think, it, I think in general, a lot of us are, um, trying to, put our best, best self out there because we don't want to be a downer, you know, when people come across our Instagram posts or, you know, across what we're saying on Twitter, like we want to crack jokes on Twitter, you know, for a lot of times that's like, that's also a release as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you get a lot of people who don't necessarily, you know, that's what they see. They see mostly positivity if they're following, um, you know, pretty good people uh, and not just positivity, but, um, but they're seeing the best of everybody. Right. And that is, uh, and so they, they don't, you know, they don't understand that, you know, I, I got this way. I felt like, man, am I broken? Because I feel like the world's falling down around me. And, uh, you know, that, that's how it could feel on some days on, on those days, like you described when, you know, the, 
the, de the developer walks out and all your servers are down. Like th those days, um, when they happen, they just, uh, they can just feel totally overwhelming. And, and then you, you know, you open up Instagram and it's like all these manufactured photos and it's like, this is, this is not like, this doesn't feel real. So you think, you think the problem is you, right. And, right. and that, that's, that's when it gets, that's when it gets to be tough. Um, but, but I think, so that's why I love these types of conversations because they reinforce the people that it, it's not you like right. this, this stuff is real. This stuff is happening. People are struggling in their businesses. Um, and it's not, and it's not even necessarily related to whether or not the business is profitable. It's more, uh, you know, it's more about all of the other stuff that people think this is not what I signed up for. Like that, that's a, that's a place where a lot of people can get and do get, um, so I think it's important. We kind of, yeah, let people know that. I mean, how many times have you walked into like a, a networking event or just like a business thing or just a, a casual conversation with another business? How, how's business? Oh, it's great. You're a liar. Just say it sucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. am, you know, I, that's going to be my new thing because you, because it's never going to be, even when it's a hundred percent, you know, it's going to change. Like you have to be ready for the dip and you know, when people say, how's business? Oh, it's great, but it could be better. Well, that's, you know, that's the best answer probably. Or maybe you just, right. you know, you got a customer for me. I have no problem asking that. You know, I think that this is an unprecedented time where so many, like we, we as humans, we don't know how to deal with social media. This is, this has never existed. Right. And today right. or, or, or yesterday, you know, the largest, you know, say what you will about them, but, but PewDiePie, which is the largest YouTube channel, just a single dude, right? That makes videos. He's got 67 or 68 million subscribers on his YouTube channel, by far the largest. You know, he put out a, a, a video yesterday saying like, look, this is not easy. It's not easy to, to sustain this and to keep coming out doing this every single day. And even when you think, oh my God, you've got 66 million uh, subscribers that you're just done and it's, everything's going to be easy for you. It's not. And he's just talking in the YouTube world, which has its own controversies, this happens on Twitter, on your business, on your blog, on your newsletter. People are always questioning, like, how do I get 100,000 people on my newsletter? You don't need it, right? right? Do you need it, you know? People just don't know how to deal with this as a, as a, a human race yet. I don't think we're going to figure that out for at least two more years <laughs> until we yeah. kind of solve this problem. I want to look this up really quick because I want to make sure that uh, – that it's the right, uh, that I mentioned the right person here. So, um, just, just going to like metrics that people are looking for. Um, yeah, I read this on, um, the, oh, I, I have a link here for show notes, but, uh, but the premise is it's called a thousand raving fans. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this or, or heard this, but the, the premise is that if you get a thousand people who are in love with what you do and the service you provide and, the value that you bring to them. Uh, that's, that's essentially all you need for any kind of scaled success beyond that point. Uh, and that's a metric that I've always been able to at least relate to at some level. Like you start talking in millions, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like it, it, it really, it really doesn't. Um, but something like a thousand, it's like, okay, can I get a thousand people to not just, not just, pay me, but to really love what we do and the way that we do it. Um, 
you know, being able to, that's a metric that I've always been able to kind of measure myself against in some way and say, are we getting closer to that? Or are we getting farther away from that? Um, and, and that's, uh, but I think, I think that's like a helpful piece of context for a lot of people who do see, you know, you know, they see just this massive scale. They see these people who are doing these intense, crazy things, um, with, you know, if you read any type of tech news, the only, you know, they don't even talk in millions anymore. They only talk in billions. And, you know, for, for, for most, for most, you know, for 99.8% of the population, those numbers mean absolutely nothing. And so I think adding, you know, a thousand, yeah, that sounds like a pretty high number, but it's, there's still some like context to that for most people. It's like, okay, I can, I can wrap my head around that a little bit better. Um, And I think that is, um, you know, that's the kind of, um, those are the kind of things that we have to keep ourselves in check with. Not, you know, there's so much noise in the millions and billions and all these different things. um, But finding realistic reference points that we can use to keep ourselves in check and make sure that um, these, that can kind of be our true North in some ways, finding out what those are for each of us individually, and then working toward those, that's a lot healthier way to think about this stuff than all of the extra noise that, is always coming down on us. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a proponent on, on, well, look, if I, if I never started this podcast, let's just use this as an example. If I never started this podcast, uh, I would have never had made the connections I made in the WordPress space for finding other developers and designers to work for. I would have never found other larger agencies that referred business to us. Uh, I wouldn't have met so many, you know, wonderful people in this space and around the WordPress space. It would have never, if I had never started the podcast, I would have never landed a job at Pagely because I wouldn't have known anyone <laughs> to be connected to Pagely at. Um, there are so many added values than just, hey, did somebody pay me a hundred bucks uh, because I started this podcast? that I think a lot of people miss the boat on when they're building their business. It's just purely a product or service play. Like they're just focused on their product or service, but not who they are, who the, what the values are that they lead with, which will keep somebody connected to them. As you said, as their 1000 true fans, because if I uproot and switch to Drupal one day, or I just stop and my report becomes, you know, me just covering, I don't know, the best sushi joints ever. <laughs> I've listened uh, to that, by the way. Right. So I, I, at least people would know, like, okay, I know what he's like. I know what he's connected to. I'm going to follow along in this, in this path. You know, I hate to get all markety jargon-ish, but it's like building an audience and cultivating an audience and stuff like that. It's so important because I've talked about this before. It's literally like this digital handshake that we have of like, who's Matt? Who's Ryan? Who's Samantha? this digital handshake that we do online, it's the last thing we have left against like the Amazons of the world, uh, the robots of the world that can just come in and beat you on price, beat you on speed, you know, beat you on scale. These massive corporations can just destroy you, but they just can't take away that, that personality of why somebody is a true fan, uh, like you mentioned. Yep. I, I just I just read an article recently, and it's funny to talk about Best Buy in the context of being the little guy. But um, but I, I worked for Best Buy in, on the Geek Squad back just after high school for a couple of years, and um, I worked for Circus and, City. Yeah, right on. So yeah, in the age of in the age of Amazon, who is pummeling everybody, um, 
you know, all analysts are saying Best Buy should be failing. Best Buy, and and they're surging through all of it. That they've had record number of growth year after year after year um, for the last several years, and it's because you know my, my Best Buy experience is very you know when I whenever I go in there, but they're they are focused on you know being an in-home tech consultant for people. They, you know, the, the same way you describe a digital handshake, they're trying to create that in, in an in-person relationship and still trying to maintain that at some level. And people value it because, because, because I mean, the numbers prove it out in this article, but, but they, uh, they're showing that they're, they continue to grow because Amazon's not willing to, you know, the human touch is being eliminated from everything um, Amazon does. And Best Buy is trying to infuse it into everything they do and people keep showing up at Best Buy and spending their money there. So there's definitely an element of, you know, being, being the go-to person. It goes back, you know, kind of to that simplicity thing we talked about before. It's like being able to, you know, if I need, if I need this lit, you know, this laundry list of services, that means I email Matt and Matt's going to get me sorted out. That doesn't mean Matt's going to do all, do it all, but Matt's going to get me sorted out and he's going to solve this problem for me. Um, and, and that's, you know, that, human interaction is something that, you know, as much as Silicon Valley doesn't want us to believe it, that's going to continue to thrive and continue to, in fact, I think in a lot of ways it's going to become more valuable mm -hmm. um, as, you know, as everything else gets filtered out with artificial intelligence and robots and whatever else is coming. Yeah. And, and, and to, to play this into the, to the WordPress space and we'll just, we'll sort of end it uh, around this is you know, uh, just like in your market, in the WordPress support and services business, there, you know, people look at this race to the bottom in prices. Well, that person went down to 50 bucks a month. I'll go to 49 bucks a month. And that person goes to 30 bucks a month and like this. Meanwhile, what you really should be doing is going up to 500 a month so that you're adding more value at a, at a higher, at a higher price point. But, you know, to draw some threads of, of like, product and, and, and Gutenberg and things like that, the whole discussion around WordPress these days seems to be centered around Gutenberg and where it's going. And now you're just starting to see, or at least I'm seeing all of these people, I'm going to do this in Gutenberg, I'm going to do that in Gutenberg. For us, uh, you know, for our conductor plugin, one of the things that we're doing is like, yeah, we'll be, we'll be Gutenberg compatible, but we know you know, like a good old trusty wooden handled hammer that you dig into your toolbox with, that you could go and buy a carbon fiber, you know, made out of titanium hammer from Home Depot for 90 bucks. People just want to, I want the trusty tool. I don't want to change, right? So when we look right. at our product development, we say, no, we're not going to get rid of the traditional admin piece that we have on our tool. We'll, we'll be conductor, I mean, Gutenberg compatible, we're not going to change the traditional way of having an admin panel and conductor because we feel like people still want that experience. Right. Um, anyway, that's how I tie in sort of the change of, of the WordPress marketplace, the change of, you know, the big boys like Amazon versus Best Buy. I feel like we're going to see more of that in the WordPress space where, yeah, you can, you can play, you know, keeping up with the Jones, Joneses, Joneses, Gutenbergses. <laughs> uh, you can play that game or you can play, Hey, solid solution, uh, great piece of software, great service, uh, you know, relationship built and play it that way. Ryan, this has been a, a much better conversation than our first one. Yeah, the last one was terrible. This is, this is <laughs> much, much better. <laughs> this was a good one. I, you know, maybe we'll, we'll leave the, the original one. There were some good bits in there too, maybe as like a director's cut. Um, 
but this is some invaluable insights. I hope anybody who's listening to this, look, if, you, if you're looking at your business and you're saying, man, I feel that weight on my shoulders, feel free to reach out to either Ryan or myself, or Lisa. You can reach out to me, definitely. Ryan, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if, if people want no, to- No, absolutely. Anybody wants to talk to me, hit me up. Always around, yeah. And you're going to be, now you're going to be day-to-day at, at, at Southern Web. Any changes uh, to the business and how you're going to be doing things? You said it's going to be kind of chaotic for the next couple months or so, but. Yeah, just, just uh, from an integration standpoint, just like, you know, getting, getting everybody set up and running again operationally, um, you know, uh, on the client side, we, want, we don't want anybody to know a change is even happening. Like, um, that's, that's definitely our goal through all of it is to make sure that the transition is super smooth for all of our clients and, and so far for the most part it has been. So we're, the only reason there's chaos is because we're trying to make sure we meet that expectation and don't wanna disrupt uh, anybody any of our clients day to day, we can, we can be disrupted for a while. We'll let them um, continue on the way they have been. So it's good stuff. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Uh, easiest place is Twitter. Ryan Don D O N Sullivan is the handle. Awesome. You're going to start blogging more now that you've published the changes piece. I hope so. That's the goal. I, I really enjoy writing. So I, uh, whether it's, whether it's uh, technical or otherwise, I, I really like to, to put stuff out. And so this should free up, free up some time so I can get back to that. Everybody else is MattReport.com. MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. It's the number one way to stay connected. Leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps, really helps us keep going here at the MattReport, the massive staff of one and a half people. <laughs> uh, until next time, we'll see you in the next episode.